right, g'day ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Mirrigan Unmanned Systems Drones for Good podcast. Um, my name is Andrew Crow, as you know by this stage, um, and today we've got a cracker of an episode. Um, today we're going to talk about, I'm going to call one of the most innovative things to come out of the Australian drone ecosystem um, this year, or, or even the last couple of years. And I'm really excited to have a couple of guys along today from Kinetic, um, Mick Andre and Jim Parks. G'day lads, how are you? Good hey, Andrew, good thanks. Hey, thanks so much for coming along today, guys. I know um, that a ton of stuff has been posted, um, that the country's talking about it, that the, the industry is talking about it, and we're obviously talking about the, um, the flight test range that, that's just been announced by the Queensland Government that's going to be set up um, out west, and, and we'll talk more about locations and stuff a bit later on. Um, so firstly, I guess, you know, on behalf of the industry, congratulations on, on, um, on the project and, and getting this far and, and the partnership with Queensland Government. It's, um, it's fantastic for everybody and, and obviously fantastic for you guys. Um, and so today uh, we've got Mick here, as I mentioned. Mick's the General Manager of Emerging Business um, for Kinetic and also Jim Parks, um, who is looking after kind of the marketing and comms side of the house for the uh, Queensland UAS flight test range. Um, Mick's in Canberra, uh, Jim's in Brizzy, and we're all chatting on Zoom because we're all still worried about COVID, so it's fantastic. Hey, um, gents, before we get into the nitty-gritties, I do want to hear about Kinetic. Um, so I guess what is the background of Kinetic? Where's it from? What's going on with it? And how did we get to this point that we're up to today? Uh, Andrew, so uh, Kinetic has been around since 2001, and, and what we what we do, who we are, we are a... I guess you call us a multinational uh, technology business that is focused primarily on the defence and security sectors. Uh, and I guess uh, relevant to, uh, we've got 6,000 odd people around the world, about 480 at the moment here in, here in Australia. Uh, and relevant to today's conversation, one of our, our, our main lines of business um, is building, operating, uh, managing large uh, test and evaluation infrastructure, flight test ranges, maritime test ranges, um, uh, and weapons and munitions test and evaluation capabilities in a number of countries around the world. Uh, and it's it's that, uh, I guess, pedigree uh, that we bring from mainly uh, offshore, but also a few niche capabilities here in Australia, uh, working with the uh, the Queensland Government to deliver the first steps uh, in their, their flight test range capability. Awesome. So it sounds like you guys are, are pretty well placed and, and you know, pretty ready to go and, and, and good to lead this stuff. So, so let's get into it then. So what are we doing? What's, um, you know, where, where are we up to with the project and, uh, and, and what are you building? Right, so the Queensland Government uh, have kicked off uh, the first stage of their UAS flight test range. Um, uh, we're building... A, uh, I guess an initial capability on behalf of the Queensland Government uh, aligned with their, their drone strategy and their aerospace uh, industry strategies um, to provide a location plus a capability for industry to uh, conduct research and development um, activities that are drone or unmanned systems aligned, uh, but also to be able to test and evaluate and even certify uh, platforms and payloads in Queensland um, to deliver, I guess, critical industry-enabling uh, infrastructure for the development of the industry here in Queensland. 
So why do you think the government's focused on this? Like, I've seen the Queensland, um, Queensland government drone strategy. I've spent some time up at the Fraser Coast where they're looking at doing stuff. Is this a, is this a future and emerging part of, do you think, where the Queensland government wants to go with innovation and technology for the state? Oh, I think definitely so. So the, the Queensland government have been quite forward-looking in development of the drone strategy, uh, but also their broader industry development strategies across the state. Um, and uh, a big gap that uh, I guess all of your listeners will, will be aware of is being able to take pro- products from concept to market is quite a complex activity, particularly when you're, you're talking about airspace allocations, uh, any sort of air-ground interface type activities at scale. Uh, and being able to provide that infrastructure and those services to industry overcomes one of the big hurdles to development of a large-scale export-capable um, drone industry here in Queensland. So do you, know, do you know how people have been doing it to this point? Has it been just using landholders, you know, areas and, and getting out and, and this is really professionalising that requirement? Is that what's sort of happened this far? Yeah, it has. So uh, a lot of uh, innovative people are trying to uh, bring their products to market, trying to develop new systems, have had to work with uh, individual landholders to gain their permission to access the land um, and for the smaller end of the, the market, the airspace clearances issues has not been a significant deterrent. Um, but as we start working into beyond visual line of sight operations or, or complex swarming activities, for example, uh, where we start looking at significant potential safety implications for the, the broader community, um, being able to come to a location and to an organisation who's able to facilitate the appropriate airspace allocations Uh, to work around the safety case approvals uh, and to ensure that those development activities are conducted consistently and safely. I think that's really uh, one of the main aims that the Queensland Government are trying to achieve in pushing the flight test range forward. Yeah, cool. So um, if we talk a little bit more, I guess, um, about the project, can you give us a bit of an idea of, you know, where are we up to? What what does it look like, you know, as it moves forward? Um, how, how long is it going to go for, you know, those type of questions? Sure, sure. Um, so we've kicked off the design and construction of uh, this initial phase of the flight test range capability and uh, weather permitting uh, and no other significant world events uh, occurring, uh, flight <laughs> test range. Uh, what, a year, what a year to start a flight test range. Yeah. I know, 2020. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, yeah, so we, we should be operational come uh, mid to late October this year. Um, okay. And uh, then we'll be transitioning into an initial operations and maintenance phase. Uh, and that that's looking like it'll be 18 months, perhaps a bit longer in duration. Uh, whilst the Queensland Government looks at uh, their broader investment plans to increase the level of capability at the range. Um, and um, we know it's out of Cloncurry, and, and I do want to talk about the location in a second, but uh, we know there's already a, a, um, a runway there. What does the initial build actually consist of? What, what, are you, what infrastructure are you building uh, between sure. now and October? Okay, so uh, some what I would call basic ground infrastructure. So we're looking at a... Uh, a 20 by 20 hangar. Um, there is a uh, uh, to contain workspaces, obviously with the appropriate three-phase power and the workshop environments and the like, so people can bring their um, uh, their aircraft and payloads uh, and be safe in the knowledge that they can lock it up at night if they need to and, and leave it there, operate in a, a safe, clean environment. 
and clear uh, from weather is... and, and those types of things. We're not setting up tents in the in the middle of Cloncurry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, and there's uh, what we call a range control centre, which is essentially a workspace for up to around about thirty to fifty people. Um, uh, that would be, allow for test teams to come and operate uh, for their test programs uh, in a an office-like environment, um, basic ablutions facilities, uh, and then some parking access and a road coming into it. So that's from the basic infrastructure perspective. Uh, we're also implementing a range control and, and safety system uh, comprising a small primary uh, surveillance radar, um, ADSB uh, coverage as well, all linked into a common operating picture, which will allow us to monitor the airspace uh, and to work with the test entities to ensure that no airspace incursions were occurring uh, and to provide a, a backup tracking capability for the, the aircraft under test. Uh, and then on top of that, it's not really infrastructure or the like, but it's, um, uh, it's a critical enabler and that's working very closely with CASA uh, to set up the initial safety cases and the airspace approval mechanisms and the like um, because at the moment, the regulatory environment does not envisage such a thing as a civil flight test range. Um, so we're breaking new uh, ground with the guys at CASA, working very closely um, with the RPAS cell in particular, uh, and um, setting us up for future larger scale test operations through the airspace management um, context. And so to, to kind of... Um summarize that i guess from a casa perspective is it that that at the moment casa has got a bunch of independent operators doing things slightly differently in different airspaces across different parcels of the land where in this case you're going to have a single test range single procedure single processes um the appropriate you know uh, safety mechanisms in place is that why casa is, is pretty keen on this idea as well yeah uh, casa are being very helpful um I think it's, it's a case of crawl, walk, run. What, what has been happening in the industry has been a, a variety of different crawling exercises where long approval times have been in place for specific activities occurring almost as a one-off or a semi-repeatable activity. Uh, there's a few, a few companies out there who have uh, been quite successful in setting up their own test programs. Um, what we'd, what we'd like to be able to work with CASA is moving from the current uh, paradigm of crawling multiple times um, towards an environment where if industry demand is proven to be high enough, uh, where there would be permanent airspace allocation managed under uh, agreed rules and procedures to facilitate quicker turnaround times for the approval and then conduct of test operations. Yeah, cool. So it's it's nearly that that next layer of professionalisation for the industry, hopefully linking towards you know the the term that Kieran Joyce from uh, from Army keeps talking about you know a sovereign capability for um, for defence. But this is a sovereign capability potentially for industry as well. You know, building our own drones to build into yeah. our own own industry, um, which I think is awesome. You know, it's it's about as you said taking that next step. We've done a lot of crawling. Let's uh, let's get up to a bit of jogging. So is, is um. Is Kinetic on this alone or, or have you got some people that you're working with, you know, to achieve the, the right outcome for, for, the, for the activity and for the project? Oh, sure. We are, we are working with a, a, a variety of people. I guess our, our key partners on this project um, from the, the facility side of the house in terms of design and construction, we're working with um, AECOM uh, on the design and the construction um, management side of the house for, for the facilities itself. Uh, a, a construction company, Sitzler, is uh, delivering the infrastructure for us and they're also going to be assisting with 
some of the facilities maintenance uh, side of the house. We're bringing in um, some technology and expertise from Boeing Phantom Works International to assist with implementing the range control and, and the safety systems there. Uh, and we are working with our other kinetic entities, particularly in the UK, um, to, uh, I guess, bring across some of the uh, test procedural expertise to supplement our Australian-specific expertise. So quite a few players involved in delivering this first stage, um, uh, but everyone's, everyone's up to the task and, and keen to get, get on with the work. And so Kinetic is, is still providing a prime type situation, are they? You guys are leading the work and, and working with these guys to, to deliver? Absolutely, yeah. So Kinetic is the prime contractor for the design and construction uh, and will be for the operations and maintenance of the range as well. Okay, cool. So let's, uh, let's, let's shift slightly. Let's talk about, um, in some ways, the elephant in the room. It's, uh, I had to go and Google where the hell Cloncurry was when, when this first came out, and, and I do get it. You know, we were out in the, out in the outback, therefore airspace, I guess, is easier, which is one of the primary reasons. But um, you might have more insight. Why, why Cloncurry, and was there other places that they sort of considered? Yeah, so the choice of Cloncurry actually took nearly three years to arrive at, um, and... Uh, Queensland Government commissioned a number of studies, some of which uh, we participated in, some of which were completely independent of Kinetic, uh, and effectively ran a multi-criteria decision analysis across initial range. I think it was just over 40 um, potential sites around Queensland. Wow. So it was a, there was a few in the mix. Yeah, oh, yeah. There was uh, the, the not-so-short list uh, of 40 uh, mm. is what the Queensland Government started off with and was eventually whittled down to... Uh, a number of options, but the pr some of the primary considerations for it were um, the availability of the existing suitable infrastructure for larger UAS or, or UAV types, as well as the smaller types, um, the accessibility in terms of regular public transport into and out of uh, the location, the length of the, uh, length of the runway is obviously quite significant there. Airspace is a major consideration, not just having wide open spaces in terms of free of, of, of ground presence, um, but the proximity to the designated air routes uh, that are used by um, commercial airlines as well, making sure that was uh, sufficient space between designated air routes. So a number of factors uh, came into play. Um, it was a short list of a couple of options, one being a greenfield site somewhere in central western Queensland, uh, and the other one came down to Cloncurry. Uh, and the cost benefit of, of going with Cloncurry just became um, a major um, a major decision piece in, in the final selection of, of Cloncurry. Yeah, cool. And so, how um, so? How big is the airspace then around Cloncurry? I'm, I'm assuming that um, the initial planning, you know, gives gives a, an, an initial assessment of that size. How, how big is it? Okay, so uh, the initial airspace that we'll be working with CASA around is it only goes out to around about 20 to 30 nautical miles, uh, up to 10,000 feet. Um, so for the vast majority of small to medium um, UAS, there's more than enough airspace allocation available. But looking at future growth potential where you're looking at medium and high altitude operations going up to 60,000 feet and the like, um, there is one of the unique features around uh, Cloncurry is there's large sectors that will allow us to go out to a couple of hundred nautical miles from Cloncurry for those sorts of operations, whilst also being able to go just over the fence um, to conduct close-in small operations. Okay, cool. And, and um, maybe a question for you or maybe a question for Jim. 
Uh, I called for questions out on LinkedIn last week and, and got a few back from people, and particularly in that, um, not the smaller UAS, yes, but, but the larger, you know, large UAS, that's sort of 100 kilo size, um, size uh, UAS. There were some questions around, you know, Cloncurry and just how expensive it's going to be for people to get out there and, and make it happen. Um, how do you envisage, you know, negating that problem, I guess, or has it been sort of considered that it is going to cost, you know, some of these companies a fair bit of coin to get out there and start flying? Well, there's direct flights from Brisbane to Concurry, so it's the same flights to anywhere else, and that's one of the key advantages. It is quite accessible when you look at, because you know, no one says, you know, Sydney to Melbourne, how do you get there? It's like, well, you just fly there. You know, it's, mm -hmm. And Concurry is reasonably inexpensive, and it was quite close. We didn't want something too far away from a populated area, so hotel accommodation, those sort of things are quite, quite uh, achievable, quite close. And that's also one of the things we're considering for that whole longer-term piece is, how much can be placed at the centre, how much can be then um, transmitted back or sent back via you know, um, high bandwidth links to be processed somewhere else. So that's that whole concept piece. So in reality, Cloncurry seems like a long way, but it's not. I mean, it's it's <laughs> quite accessible, I suppose, when you're used to being in Australia, it's Australia's a big place, but it is far more accessible than most people tend to think in the, in the, in the short term. Yeah, right. And so who do, you, who do you foresee being your primary users, I guess? So are we... Is it really pitched at the Boeing Phantom Works or, or are you encouraging the smaller operators to come out and use it as well? We're encouraging pretty much anybody who thinks or has a requirement. Um, that's the advantage of the range too. You want to make it as, as uh, accessible as possible and as um, able to support a variety of operations as possible. So obviously some of the, the primes tend to be first cabs off the rank because they have those sort of requirements. And really the, a lot of the driver has been, they like to do things at Woomera, Users can't get into Woomera, so they need a facility that can support a vast variety. And, and as you know, some of the smaller UAVs, they might be smaller platforms, but the effects they tend to generate or they tend to try and work with requires a larger space as well. So that's part of our forward planning is to make it as capable as possible over the, the longer term. So, Jim, can you tell us who the first user is going to be? Do you know who, uh, who is lined up ready to start flying in, in October? Yes, as the minister mentioned Previously, that uh, Boeing is is slated to be the first cab off the rank with their uh, advanced autonomy platform technologies program. So that okay. they they're the ones who are considering. So I think they've mentioned a couple of times that's some technology that's supporting the the bats development. So not bats itself, but the uh, technology that will be used within bats. Yeah, cool. So we should see them in the in the airspace before the end of the year. That, that's the plan. That's the plan at this stage, yes. <laughs> that's always the plan until something until something happens, I'm sure. That's right. As we know with uh, COVID, I mean, the best laid plans of mice and men, as they say. That's right. That's right. So what um, what are you guys providing on the site? So you, you mentioned you'll be providing some support and, and other bits and pieces. Um, does that come as, as part of a package? You know, if you do book the range and, and go and use it, you'll, you'll have access to kinetic-type um, support up there? Yeah, that's correct. So the range has a number of number of um, services available really so there's the obviously the daily range fee so that's so if you want hangar all the, the the control infrastructure around that you know the safe place to play that's a set thing and then there's we've got a team of airspace and other guys available who can work with users to go well how much do you need in terms of safety cases how much do you need in terms of how do we set this up do, do you have a your repulse reox those sorts of things as well so there's going to be uh, if some people have all that themselves, we'll work with them or we can do the whole thing for them 
it's depending on the and really also the whole airspace uh, design and approvals depends on the operations that the individual operations that the various users want to perform i mean casa doesn't just hand out large swathes of airspace mm. they tend to go well, what do you want to use it for how do you want to use it so we'll work with potential users to to work through that and obtain those approvals because in reality i think a lot of places just want to come fly in a safe place in a safe environment and, and get their results yeah sure and and there was a few questions that came through um, around the cost have you got any broad indications of costs at this point to the industry whether it be a you know small you know smaller operator or larger operators what, any ideas what sort of the costing might be oh, on that one uh, we're still working with queensland government we hope to have the indication of what those service costs will be in around a month's time uh, is cool. when we're we're looking at that but we are we're very cognizant um, of the fact that um, these sorts of activities can be an impost on the smaller businesses, uh, and Queensland government are very uh, are very cognizant of that. And we are making sure that we are benchmarking it against uh, existing capabilities and then offshore capabilities as well. Um, so there will be a, I guess a a pick and uh, a pick and choose list of services uh, with uh, prices associated with that. Um, but that's the start point at which uh, we would work with a potential user around really designing a service level that meets their needs and their budget. Yeah, great. And I think that's, you know, I'm sure the industry is going to be um, very appreciative of that, you know, particularly from the from the bottom-up aspect. You know, the, the likes of the Boeings and the larger ones can probably afford the daily rates and everything else. And um, whilst, you know, people don't expect things for free because there's a lot of money and, and effort going into it, um, I think cost is going to be a big factor for, for use, which is great. But what about um, planning as well? So, you know, I know already there's a bunch of drone geeks out there that are getting pumped about this stuff and really want to get out there and fly. So... What what would what um, what approach do you think they should have in in reaching out to you guys, or what sort of planning figures around? You know, we're we talking early next year to get the range open for for users. When do they start engaging with you? Well, they can really start engaging now, and some potential users already have because obviously things will take a fair bit of scheduling depending on the sort of mission they want to fly. So we've got a number of ways they can reach out to us, and we can. I've got a we've got a process in place where there's that two way passing of information. The email address for direct for the team is ftr at kinetic.com.au. That that's an email address that's actually linked to the entire group, so any one of the team can pick that up. So once we get uh, something in, then we'll start directly engaging with potential users to, to find sort of their requirements. And then there's that discussion of, yes, we can meet this in the near term, or no, we can't. And then we step through there, we'll supply... Uh, information to the potential users and they can then decide whether that suits them as well so it's really it's a process we both work together then we'll send out a series of um, range documentation which gives a bit more of an overview some of the requirements that users will need to fly on the range and then we'll just and work out the schedule and timing as well so along that that, that pipeline process there's several gates which both uh, ourselves and the potential users can decide yes or no how far to go ahead but if people uh, potential users uh, start reaching out now, then there's uh, no problems at all about um, starting to look at that and we'll start booking things in from late this year, early next year. That's and my, I guess um, <laughs> that's, my plan. <laughs> that's the plan, the plan, the plan, plan. the plan won't change. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess early engagement's key, isn't it? You know, if, if people want to be in there flying early next year, they need to start thinking about it, you know, pretty soon. I, I, I probably suggest. Oh, exactly. Yeah, right, Andrew, some I, of the I, flights. I just, um, 
really echo what, what you've just said about early access is key. So um, harking back to the, the brief conversation we had about the crawl, walk, run concepts with CASA, um, at this stage uh, we are still proving the requirement for a flight test range with CASA. Uh, and I guess the more people who indicate a, a need for these sorts of services, uh, the more demand that we can demonstrate to CASA, the quicker the, the processes will become uh, working with CASA around allocation of airspace, um, approvals of safety cases and the like. Uh, it, will be, it won't be a fast process to start with. Um, so depending on the complexity of the activity you're looking at, you, you could be looking at sort of three, four, five months' notice uh, if you're looking at a relatively complex test activity. Um, but the more that we can demonstrate to CASA that industry needs and wants this sort of a service, the quicker those turnaround times will become. Yeah, brilliant. And have you guys been engaging with um, some of the, the, the drone industry bodies in Australia like AUS and, and others? Yes, we have. We've had a good relationship with AUS and we've also been in contact with a couple of industry bodies as well because we see this as part of the, the drone ecosystem and we're an integral part of the whole process. So the, the more we can get with industry bodies and, and interested organisations, then the better it is, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, and funnily enough, you just um, prompted a thought in my mind. Merrigan, we have what's called the drone, the Australian Drone Ecosystem Map, and, and it essentially maps out every or all the main players in all the different areas of this. And, and maybe we now need a new category called flight test ranges, of which um, you know Kinetics Kinetics Range is going to be uh, the first one. Or the I should say, the Queensland Government, operated by Kinetic, um, is going to be the first one off the cab off the rate, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Hey Good Jim. Idea. Um, Question for you, mate, around systems. So um, is it just going to be unmanned systems that, that are operating from here or do you see, um, you know, autonomous, semi-autonomous? What sort of systems do you see operating from the range? I think, well, the range will capability will be responsive to what industry wants and longer-term plan we see it's not restricted just to unmanned air vehicles or unmanned aerial systems, you know, the ability to do counter drone work, the ability to do air ground interaction, teaming, swarming, multi-vehicle activities, I think is all part of it. That's going to be obviously a stepped growth path, as, as Mick mentioned before. So I think that we shouldn't really, I mean, our vision is that we can be um, a world-class facility, and that means you have to cater for all sectors of the market. Yeah, makes it makes a bit of sense, I guess. Um, Hey, Mick, one for you. So, so what are the next steps for you guys? You know, you mentioned, um, I think you mentioned maybe just to summarise again, you know, construction through to October, that's kind of the plan, and then, then we're into some flying? Yeah, that's right. So uh, looking to kick off flight test operations mid to late October this year. Um, the initial uh, operating period of the range will be 18 months uh, long. Uh, now, Queensland government are looking at uh, their options around expanding the capability uh, for the flight test range at Cloncurry. Um, and so, uh, depending on how that one goes, uh, you could see uh, further development uh, of capability out at Cloncurry, increasing the airspace uh, that is available, uh, looking at allocation of areas to do air-ground interface, payload testing, uh, that, that requires ground operations as well. Uh, and then potentially um, go, going into both kinetic and, and non-kinetic effects. So looking at counter UAS, 
style operations, uh, incorporation of complex flight telemetry um, so that uh, you can do flight trials as a service, for example, that you don't have to bring your own flight telemetry that can be provided to you. Uh, and then eventually looking at um, being able to conduct flight tests remotely where you send a, a small team uh, to conduct the actual flight operations themselves whilst a lot of the data and telemetry is then uh, transmitted to your location of choice so that uh, you can minimise your footprint uh, if required out of Cloncurry. So that's, that's the development pathway that um, Queensland Government is looking at. Uh, and that, that will take a number of decisions of government and probably a couple of years' worth of um, uh, investment to make that a reality. And I think a really important point um, you mentioned before, Mick, is that this has got to be driven by industry too. You know, there's only so much that, that Kinetic can drive this and, and Kate Jones, the Minister, can drive this and the Premier and everybody else. Um, if industry kind of doesn't get involved, then, you know, the government's not going to see a return. So um, I, I think industry involvement's going to be key to this as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I encourage everyone, even if you think you might need these sorts of services, reach out to Jim and the team. Um, tell us what you're thinking. Tell us what you need. Uh, and uh, we can use that information to help industry demonstrate the requirement to Queensland Government and to the regulator and the like. So I just echo what you said, Andrew. Um, industry really needs to pick this up, run with it, uh, if it's going to be uh, the successful flight test range that, that really encourages development of our industry here. Um, Jim, you mentioned the email address before, but do you want to um, just give our listeners just a bit of background as to where they can probably go for um, for support or advice or help or, or more information? Yes, there's information on the Kinetic internet site, sorry, internet site. So we've got a page there that will has that contact details as well. It also has more background. I, I, always spell, I always spell kinetic wrong. So you just want to spell kinetic for our listeners as well. Not, not that I'm asking. Everyone else is asking. Certainly <laughs> so the email address is FTR at kinetic. I spell Q-I-N-E-T-I-Q dot com dot au. There we go. Brilliant. I passed my, passed my test. That's right. You, you, you can remain employed with, um, with kinetic going forward. Yeah, correct. Or I'm available. Hey direct line as well so and, and we'll also anyone is also interested we've got uh, fact sheets we can see in which has more further contact information uh, sorry and, and further information about the range as well so there's and, and as we go forward in some of the uh, activities such as Rotatech or the land forces will be the big presence there so we'll be able to speak to um, potential users direct yeah, brilliant. Rotatech will be great, actually, later in the year. That's another AUS event I think I'm speaking at as well. So that should be um, great up here in, in Brizzy. Are you going to make it up for that one, are you, Mick? Oh, absolutely. Um, assuming that COVID allows me to, <laughs> I will definitely be there with bells on. It'll I'll be, be warming there. up too, so it'll be nice. Um, hey, guys, uh, anything else I've missed? Anything that you guys wanted to, to mention uh, before we sort of close off? Uh, I think the end. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mick. Sorry, go on, go on, Jim. You go. You go first. I was going to say the only thing I want to reinforce, as I said, is this. I always see the range as part of an ecosystem, part of that whole uh, technology piece, part of where the Queensland vision is. So, and it's to me, it's not that single segment. It's that whole. It, we're here to, as an enabler and connector of high technology OS programs. I think that's where our, our true value proposition is. 
And I think you've done that, you know, well so far, Jim. And, um, you know, there's always going to be people that are going to be detractors from things. They're going to whinge and complain about it. Not everyone's going to be happy, but, but that's that, that's the way it is. And I think that um, if people actually get around this, then we can really build it in, into something massive. If, if people want to sit back and just complain, then they might as well get out of the industry and, um, and go and do it somewhere else. Uh, Mick, anything from you? Uh, look, no, nothing further to add. I'd just like to thank you for having us on today. Um, the team, we've got quite a, a large team working on this as we speak right now, um, going through the detailed design process for the facilities, the range control system. Uh, we've just submitted uh, our, a, our initial body of work for approval for, to CASA and are going through those approvals processes as we speak. So it's uh, full steam ahead from us and really looking forward to working with the whole range of industry participants um, to make their products, their systems and their ideas become reality. Yeah, and I think the really important part um, that I think we've said five or six times now is this, this this isn't a range that's being built for Boeing. This is a range that's being built for the industry. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're actually extremely lucky to have someone like Boeing operating out of Queensland, out of Brisbane to, you know, drive some of these things as well. But um, the little operator is just as important as the big operators in, in this instance, I think. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Right. Gents, um, thanks so much for your time. Um, we're all really excited about this. The more information we can get out, you know, the, the better. Um, so we'll hear and, and I'll be looking forward to hopefully coming up for a bit of a demo day or something in, in October, November. I'm sure that's that's in the plans and I'll be on one of those direct flights to Concurry. Not, I'm not driving, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so again, thanks so much for your time, guys. Um, let's let's catch up later in the year. Once we uh, get our first in the aircraft in the air, we can make, maybe catch up again and, and just see how it's all going. Sounds great, Andrew. Thanks for that. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys.